Just that simple. You can be seated. Good to see all of you in the house of the Lord. How many of you are in this service and this is your first time at Victory Christian Center? Can we see your hands? One, two, three, four, five. Anybody else? I miss anybody? Let's give them a warm <laughs> welcome. We are glad you are here. If you have a church, stay where you are. Be a blessing to them. If you don't have a church, stay where you are and be a blessing to us. And we will be a blessing to you. We're glad you're here. We have exciting youth services, children's services, great nursery training up young people. And uh, praise God. I want us to pray for tomorrow. And uh, tomorrow is uh, the, when we celebrate the life and the legend and the birth and, and the life of, of Dr. Martin Luther King. I believe Dr. King was a great American patriot who gave his life for the United States of America, but really and truly for the world. He was a leader for the world. And I want to read you a portion of his I Have a Dream speech. We've come a long way since the days of, of uh, discrimination in America. We haven't arrived yet. I think we all know that, but we've come a long way. I never experienced discrimination much here in Lafayette when I was growing up. But when I went in the Marine Corps, I ended up being stationed in Beaufort, South Carolina in 1962. And we had a lot of friends that were of color. And when I first got there and we'd go into town to the movie theater, we had to go sit with our friends in the balcony. We couldn't sit on the first floor. And that, back in that era, they had drinking fountains and everything like that. Thank God. Let's all say it. Thank God. We've come a long way. But we have not arrived. Discrimination anywhere is discrimination everywhere. And, and discrimination has no place in the body of Christ, never has. And, uh, and this is a part of his, his speech. When we let freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men, white men, Jews, Gentiles, Protestants, and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. We know that he who the sun set free is free indeed. And because of Dr. King and others, America is a shining light to the world. We can shine brighter, but we are a shining bright to the world. Father, we thank you for Dr. King, for his family. He gave the ultimate sacrifice as an American patriot, and we thank you for the legacy that he has left. We thank you, Lord, that we haven't arrived, but we thank you, and we thank you so much that we are far ahead of where we used to be in this nation, and we give you the praise and honor for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Well, it's good to see you here. I'm going <clears> to <throat> paraphrase some of this message, but if you were here last Wednesday, uh, you, you heard the message that 2016, that I believe the Lord showed me that uh, God's will is victory for all of us. And today we're going to talk about living in the victory. Last, the Sunday before last, Pam ministered on fulfillment. It's going to be a year of fulfillment on the things you've been standing for. Let me see the hands of all the people. Uh, you're, you're getting in on that fulfillment stuff. You want, you want fulfillment? 
it's going to happen. Uh, many other people have been preaching positive messages and sharing what they feel the Lord has shown them. How many of you want this to be a year of God's victory working in your life? Can I see your hands? Now, what we're going to have to do is get ourselves positioned where God wants us so that we have that victory and we're living that victory every single moment of the day. It isn't just a situation that God's going to move and everybody's going to have victory. We're going to have to get in position where God wants us. And we're going to have to be obedient to what God has shown us to do, living the Word of God and doing the things that God has shown us. And uh, uh, there is a there is a, a, a law of reciprocity. It's called the law of reciprocity or the law of attraction. And what we're going to be talking about today is how you attract things into your life based on your basic thoughts and based on your attitudes toward life. Uh, if you project fear, you are going to attract fear. If you're an angry person, you're going to attract anger. If you're an unforgiving person, you're going to attract unforgiveness. If you're a loving person, you're going to attract love. It is a law of attraction. <clears throat> if you're a person of faith who believes that no matter what I see, I'm going to walk by faith and believe for the best, you're going to attract that into your life. So turn to your neighbor and tell them, you are an attraction. <laughs> and you are always attracting things into your life. This is a funny story. It has nothing to do with what I just said, by the way. But, uh, but I read it the other night on the internet and I thought it was really cute. This captain was, uh, actually, it came to me to, again when I was asking Bonnie about somebody out in, by the way, Bonnie Beadle and Deborah Abjurinas helped us found this church X number of years ago. Let's give them a hand. <laughs> Sitting here in the front row with my wife. Pam and I, God, God spoke to us, come back to Lafayette, Indiana, and start a church. And, and she said, and by the way, the three, three girls want to come with us. And I said, three girls want to come with us? I I'm not even sure what I'm doing. I don't want any responsibility for three women. But, but they all came with us. And, and then she said, oh, by the way, you have to get all the furniture and load it on a truck that I didn't know how to pay for. And we brought all the furniture. But we thank God for Deborah and Bonnie. Give them another hand. They are a tremendous <laughs> blessing for us. So anyway, I was asking Bonnie. Bonnie's on staff out of Victory Christian Center. She's running the whole show out there. But Paul, Pastor Paul and Sharon take the, you know, they're up there in front of the people. But Bonnie's running the show out there. And on temporary loan, by the way. But I'd ask her about somebody that attended the church out there. And she said, no, they're not there any longer. It was somebody that I was talking about and we don't need to go there. But it made me think about this story. This ship is going by this deserted island. It's not even on the chart. And, and the, the captain of the ship sees the smoke coming up from the island. He says, well, there's nobody on that island. Something must be happening. The smoke's got to be coming from somebody, somewhere. Maybe there is someone there. So he anchored the ship and he went ashore. And sure enough, there's a guy standing on the beach. And, and he looked around, and he sees the guy standing there on the long beard, and he's got three huts. And, and he said, well, gosh, I didn't think there was anybody here. And said, oh, I got shipwrecked five years ago. I'm so glad you came. He said, well, are you alone? He said, yeah, I am. He said, well, what are the three huts for? He said, oh, the first hut's where I live. And he said, well, what's the second hut? And he said, that's where I go to church. And he said, what's the third church? And he said, or the third hut. And he said, that's where I used to go to church. <laughs> oh, humor is good because the joy of the Lord is our strength. So therefore, no matter what we see, the humor of God and the joy of the Lord. Jesus said, I came to give you my joy. 
so that your joy would be full. In 1 Corinthians 15, 57 and 58, this was the scripture God gave me for this year for my life, and I believe it's for the church. Thanks be to God who gives us a victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are steadfast. Okay, okay. How many of you here last week? Okay, so we should have done better than that. For those of you that weren't here last week, we'll give you a little break. The Word says that we should be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. So when the devil creeps up and tries to get inside your mind and tell you it's not going to work and this is not going to happen and that's not going to happen, nobody likes you and da 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 da, da and all that stuff that the devil who walks about as a creeping lion, a creeping lion, yeah, that's a better word, isn't it? A roaring lion and a creepy lion. And he walks around like that trying to scare you trying to get you fearful. But we instantly respond because we are fair. We are doesn't matter what happens. Whole world going to shake. We should have Jerry Lee Lewis right now on the <laughs> overhead singing that. Whole lot of shaking going on, but we are not shaking with it. We are moving right through it because we are children of Almighty God. We already have what we have. Does that make sense? Look at your clothes. You already have. You don't have to believe for those clothes you have on, do you? You got it. Everybody say, I got it. What do we have? We have the victory. We have everything. We have the victory. We have everything. And we, we release our faith in what God has called us to do. Every single one of you have to risk failure to have faith. You have to move out beyond your ability and move into his ability and realize that if God doesn't show up, I'm going to not make it. I have in my office at home. I, I just love it. It's, it's uh, two plaques. I'm, I'm a New York Yankee fan. always have been. If you're not, there's prayer for you. There's always a hope. But, but oh, I'm looking right at Tim. I didn't mean to look at Tim. D Tim is a diehard Boston fan, but I'm praying for him. But, but anyway, but, but, uh, but, but one of them is Babe Ruth. And it says, don't ever be afraid to strike out. Babe Ruth, one of the greatest baseball players who used to hold all the home run records for the, uh, for the season, for the, his lifetime, 714 home runs. Uh, he, 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 was, he, he built the Yankee dynasty to what, to, to what it is. And, but he also led the league in strikeouts. He got home runs, he gets strikeouts. And he said, don't be afraid to strike out. If I hadn't struck out like all those times, I probably never had those home runs. And uh, the other plaque I have is, uh, Michael Jordan. And, uh, and on it, he says, I have missed, I forget how many thousands of shots in his lifetime. I have missed the winning shot X, uh, X number of times to win ball games. I have failed over and over and over again of hitting the shot I wanted to take, but that's why I succeed, because I keep shooting. You get into a lull in shooting, you don't stop shooting, you got to keep shooting because the next shot you're going to make. Well, what if I miss the next shot? No, the next shot you're going to make and the next shot. And I shared in the first service, Joe and Lori, about Jack and I playing uh, basketball over on uh, Union Street at, at one of the courts there. And we, we played for a couple hours and then we got ready to leave and we were shooting a couple shots and, 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 and Jack had missed a couple shots and picked up his ball. I said, oh, you got to make the last shot. You can never leave the court missing the last shot. He says, okay, why? And I said, that's just build your confidence. You never want to leave with the shot missed. So he kept shooting until he made one. And so I went out to center court. 
and I'm shooting from center court, a half court shot. If you know what I'm talking about, that's a really long shot, and I'm building myself up, because you know, I'm going to tell you, I made it. And, and, but, but I'm shooting from half court. Well, I shot 20, 30, 40 shots and missed every one of them. But I knew I was eventually going to make one of them. And Jack was rebounding for me. And if you ever know a, a center shot, the ball goes creaming all sorts of ways, and Jack's running, getting the ball for me, looking at me like, can't we go now? I made my shot. Why do you have to shoot from center court? But all of a sudden, I swoosh that shot from center court. Jack looked at yeah, yeah. Jack looked at me like, whoa, and I said, we're leaving, Jack, because I'm not, a, not about to take another shot, and we, and we left. Well, I, I, I saw this on the Internet the other day, and it reminded me of how sometimes we can miss a lot of shots in life and stop just short of the one that's going to give us the breakthrough. I thought this was really cute. Go ahead and roll this. This shot does not even have a name. The guys from Dude Perfect are at it again. Since we last met the six college roommates from Texas A&M, they've been busy creating new unbelievable shots and posting them on their website. From the summer camp edition to the ranch edition, they've been hitting the hoop any way they can. It's just a shotgun shot. But the latest from these basketball bombers is creating a worldwide buzz. Welcome to Aggieland. This is the world's longest basketball shot. Now their shots are legit. We saw them ourselves when we did the story on the Dude Perfect Guys back in April. But to hit a shot from the third tier of Kyle Field, well, that does seem pretty impossible to me. We first weren't exactly sure we could do it. We went up there uh, on Monday, and we went up to second deck and you know threw a ball off there and saw that we could actually do it. And so I told him I thought I could do it from the third deck. After I threw the first ball up there, uh, we had the distance, and so at that point we knew that we could uh, have a shot at making it. Tyler Tony is the man behind many of the shots seen on the Dude Perfect videos, and he loves the controversy surrounding the authenticity of their shots. We take it because all that does is just is just stir up debate, and it just gets it more views and stuff. And I mean, if you ask us, we'll tell you. You know, all of our videos are 100% real. So now the question is, where do they go from here? With a national spotlight upon them and their website booming, it'll be hard to top the Kyle Field long shot. <laughs> We're working on a celebrity edition. Uh, we've got two professional athletes lined up that said that they would uh, do a shot for us. Um, and then we're thinking about maybe an East Coast, West Coast edition, like major landmarks or something like that. Now, you might wonder, well, what does that have to do with anything? How many shots do you think that guy probably missed before he made that shot? I can almost guarantee you this. When he made that shot, he stopped, <laughs> and they went out in victory. And, and But you never stop before you make the shot. He, I bet he missed hundreds and hundreds of shots, if not more than that. He probably had to rest his arm somewhere along the line. Unbelievable what these guys are doing. It is unbelievable what God wants to do for you. God wants to take you from glory to glory. God's got a plan for your life, a purpose for your life. And 2016, he's got victory lined up for you. If you just do what God shows you to do, get your prayer journal out like we talked about last year. Turn to your neighbor and says, there he goes again. <laughs> we had somebody in the church just the other day. I said, you get your prayer journal yet? He said, nope, I haven't. I said, we met three months ago and we talked about it. He says, I know I need to do it. And I said, stop saying you know you need to do it and do it. So just turn to your neighbor and say, do it. Do it. <laughs> 
If you don't have a prayer journal where you're writing what God is telling you in your prayer journal, you put yourself in charge. That is not a good person to be in charge. You need to be living out of the Bible, out of the Holy Spirit, and out of your prayer journal. God will show you things that will be so far beyond where you are. But the good news is that we live by faith, we walk by faith, not by sight, and that we know that God is able to do whatever He tells us to do. Now, in case you haven't noticed, the war is raging in the world. We are at war. Tell your neighbor, we are at war. We are fighting a war that we have already won. We have the victory over the world. We are not of this world. Jesus said, in the world you'll have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So we have the victory. But what we're going to have to do is understand how do we walk out this victory? Now, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, that from the days of John the Baptist until the present, that the, that the world has suffered violence, that there's been violence in the world. But it, that's not the new baby, is it? That we have a new baby somewhere. That, Tim, is that your baby? An evangelist, I can tell already. Uh, no, we have a new baby that was coming in the second service. Didn't come? Okay, all right. So anyway... Well, we want to pray for the baby. Anyway, where was I? Uh, Matthew eleven twelve. That it, it said, uh, Jesus said, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the, the kingdom of God has suffered violence, but the violent take it by force. Now, turn to your neighbor and tell him, I am going to be violent. I heard somebody preach this one day. It was R.W. Shamba, Victory Christian Center. And he was preaching on violent. And I hadn't known the Lord that long, and I didn't even know that scripture. And he said, everybody needs to be violent. And I thought, well, I, I don't think that's me. I don't see myself as a violent person. I see myself as kind of a loving, kind, sweet, wonderful teddy bear. You know, that type of thing. That's the way I see myself. I don't know if I am. Old. Am I like that? It's okay to enter in. And, and so anyway, for you visitors, that's my wife, by the way. And so anyway, uh, uh, but then he started explaining what that meant, that the word violent in the Greek means energetic, enthusiastic, active, and alive. In other words, the body of Christ should be violent and that we have the answer for the world. Tell your neighbor, we have the answer for the world. We should look like we have the answer for the world, not downtrodden. We have the answer. We're going from victory to victory. We love you like you are, but we love you too much to leave you that way. We have the answer for you. We want you to come where we're coming. We want you to get up out of the gutter, and we want to help you. We're going to come down there to help you, but we're going to take you out of there, and we're going to go on from glory to glory. So if you understand that, then you understand that we can't afford to be down because somebody is depending upon us to come across their path and pick them up, just like somebody picked us up once. Now, Jesus said in, in, throughout the, uh, new, in uh, the, the covenant, but, uh, the New Testament there in the gospel, but he said in John chapter 5, verse 19, John chapter 5, verse 30, especially, he said, I did not come to do my will. I came to do the Father's will. And what I see the Father do, that's what I do. You and I are called to be imitators of Christ as dear little children. How does Jesus walk? How does he talk? What does he do? We act like, talk like, and think like he did because that's the will of God to imitate him. So we get to the point when we understand that. Now, the law of attraction works in all of our lives if we will release it and if we'll understand it. Now, let's settle this right now. 2006, you said 2016, 2016. going to be a year of victory. 
How many of you hope that is true? But I also believe that 2016 will be a year of great shaking. There can be things that happen. You experienced things in 2016 you wish didn't happen, but it happened anyway. You got to get over it. You got to keep right on moving. Read in the paper yesterday where the stock market in 2016, uh, there was if I'm not mistaken, $2.5 trillion just disappeared. And that so far in 2000, that was 2015. In 2000, 3.5? Okay. In, in 2016, so far, we're only the first month into it, it said that $1.5 trillion has disappeared. I don't know about you, but my banker still got my money in, yes. intact up there in heaven. I have a bank account, and my heavenly bank account's going to take care of me. I hope the stock market doesn't crash, but if it wants to crash and shake the whole world, I'm going to be okay because my father in heaven got a lot of money. Turn to your neighbor and say, we work for a rich Jew. <laughs> We've got a lot of money in our heavenly bank account, and God is going to take care of his people. We might feel the tremor going on, but we're not going to be shaken by what's going on because we know where our source is, and we get to the point when we are not going to entertain the devil. Now you say, well, what do you mean entertain the devil? There are two basic things operating in your life 24-7. Will, tell me if I'm wrong. 24-7, either faith or fear. Faith or fear. Faith, believing what the Word of God says. Fear, believing, oh, it's never going to work out. Let me see the hands of all the people you have operated in faith and you understand it. Can I see your hands? Okay, looks like a great show of hands. Let me see the hands of all the people who have operated in fear from time to time. Looks like the same amount of hands. Okay, so who was the determining factor as to whether or not you walked in victory by faith or whether you walked in fear? Was it the devil or was it God? Well, if it was God, you'd have never had fear. So we know he would weigh in on the side of faith because he told us to have faith. So it must be the devil. So the devil must be the one causing you to be fearful. Well, no, wait a minute. The devil's defeated. He walks about as a roaring lion. He can't make us do anything. Well, who can make us be fearful? Oh, my wife. Oh, glory to God. Uh, my aunts, my uncles, my in-laws, my outlaws. Uh, you know, uh, they're, they're the problem. If I get rid of them, I'll be okay. No, 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 no. You are the problem if you entertain fear. Well, you don't understand, Pastor, how bad things are. You don't understand how good things are. But you don't understand how bad things are. You don't understand how good things are. It's all a question of focus. Are you going to focus on what brings fear and magnifies it into your life? Are you going to focus on what brings faith into your life? Years ago, when I was uh, in, the, in the Marine Corps, and I've shared this story before, but I just feel like it fits this message. Uh, we would do what they call night qualifications, where the pilots would have to qualify at night. And, uh, and, and, and they would always pick the night. They'd qualify during the day and at night. They'd always pick, uh, try to pick a night when there's no horizon or they couldn't see. And uh, that way that forced them. They, had, they could not fly visual. They had to fly by their gauges. And uh, this one particular night, 
one of our pilots uh, got vertigo, and, uh, and at night, it's, I've never flown like that, but at night, uh, when you can't find the horizon, if you don't fly by your instruments, it's very easy to get disoriented. Are you flying up? Are you flying down? What, you know, only your, your attitude gauge tells you what you're doing. Pretty good play on words. Attitude gauge is what it's called, based on the horizon. What is your attitude? Is your attitude ready to crash, or is your attitude ready to soar? The attitude has to be based on the horizon. And this one pilot got vertigo. And when you get vertigo, you can't, you, it's just very hard to concentrate. And they tried to talk him into his panel, but they didn't. And he flew the plane into the ocean, killed himself. He died. He didn't do it intentionally. But, but it was a great illustration of how focused we have to be on what God has told us to focus on. When you entertain fear for a moment, you attract the devil, and the devil comes quickly. It's as if, I don't have a scripture for this, but I think there's plenty of scripture that could cover it. It says, if the devil senses and sniffs uh, 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 that fear, and he comes after it. Years ago, when I was a little, years ago, yeah, I was fourth, uh, first grader, I think, at Washington School down here, it's, I think it's still there. Uh, somebody's laughing like when I said Washington School is still there. <laughs> They're thinking, how old is this guy? <laughs> God is renewing my youth. I figured out the other day, I've been saved 31 years. I'm 31. I look a little old for my age, but I'm only 31. So anyway, but, but anyway, I was coming down this alley, and this dog came out. And, uh, and this dog uh, came out and was growling and coming toward me, and I took off running. Only problem was the dog could run faster than me, and he bit me right in the behind. And uh, boy, I went running home. It was to my grandparents' house, and I just went running home and crying. And the dog bit me to my, my, gran my grandfather. I love my grandfather. My grandmother was total compassion. My grandfather was very compassionate, but he was also very firm. Uh, and uh, he didn't mind letting you know how it was. And, and so... Uh, he said, well, Billy, you should never run from the dog. And I thought, well, it was easy for you to say. You weren't in that alley. <laughs> and he says, dogs, dogs are attracted to fear. And if you're fearful around a dog, the dog will start to brace. And then if you start to run in fear, the dog's going to run and attack you. If you hadn't run, you know, you'd have never done that. It's like, I'm looking for a little sympathy for my torn butt here. And you're trying to tell me that I should have stood there and let him chew on me. That's kind of what I was thinking of. But, you know. Since then, I've understood that that's true. Dogs will attack fear. Uh, it's, it's inbred within them. And, uh, and the devil attacks fear. He, he senses when you're fearful and he comes. And then he torments your mind. He makes you think about things you know. Instead of thinking about the victory that you have and the victory that you're experiencing and the victory that's coming, you already have the victory, but the manifestation you're believing for, instead you start thinking the wrong thought. It's totally contrary to the will of God. So instead of attracting all the promises and blessings, of God, you're attracting all of the demonic forces and the powers and principalities. Now, the Word of God says, when Paul wrote to Timothy, and, and Kelly shared it earlier in the service, God has not, this is 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. What has He given us? Power, love, and a sound mind. What do we have? Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you have power, love, and a sound mind. However, there's always a however, isn't there? You are one 
thought away from fear. And the average person, I'm sure you've heard me say this many times, the average person thinks about 30,000 thoughts a day. And you're not average. <laughs> My wife thinks a lot. She really does. Don't you think so? Probably. Okay, probably. You think more than I do. My wife. <laughs> if you didn't hear this, my, my wife says she definitely thinks more than I do. That is really true. I, 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 am, I, don't, I don't know if this is good or bad, but I'm a slow thinker. I get on a thought, and I stay on it. Like, why would I want to think a new thought? This is, this is, this is, a, this is a good thought. Does that make sense? Don, does that make sense to you? This is a good thought I got. Why would I want to change? You know? And so what are we going to do about this? I have no idea, but this thought, this thought that I have makes me feel good. I'm happy. I'm, you know, you go in the shower, and you're taking a shower, and everything's great, and you're singing and praise songs, and you've got great thoughts going on, and then the question comes, what are we going to do about this? I have no idea. I have no idea. I think about that. My, one of my favorite movies of all time is Going with the Wind. Charlotte at the very end. I'll think about that tomorrow. <laughs> That's what she said. I'll think about that tomorrow. But no, when you get a good thought, stay with it. Don't let go of your thought. If you are capable of thinking 15, how many of you think a lot? How many of you are like me and you don't, you know, you just get a thought and you just kind of, like, yeah, this is me. See, girl after my own heart. What you have to do is analyze what you think. Eve blew it by thinking contrary to God. She thought based on the devil. Well, the devil said, so therefore, and she attracted the devil. And she attracted the devil. Then she messed around with her husband. I mean, he's just sitting there doing his job. And I, I know that's not true. I know that's not true. And then she messed around with that. And then before you know it, the whole thing shook, and they had to leave paradise. They had to leave the Garden of Eden because, now listen to this, not because of God and not because of the serpent. The reason they had to leave was because they both thought the wrong thought. And they yoked up with the serpent, with the devil, because they thought the wrong thought. They could still be in the garden today, living forever. I don't have time to go here, but you know it's God's will that, that, that humankind would live forever. It was, it was, we, would never, we would never die in the garden. I mean, just think about that. But now we don't have time to go there. But what happens is you are responsible for your thinking. Turn to your neighbor and say, I've just found out the problem. <laughs> you are responsible. Everybody say, I am responsible, responsible for what I think. Do you believe God holds you responsible for what you think? Yes. Or do you think he said, forget about it, guys, I'll think for you? No, he gave you a mind to think for yourself and that our thoughts should be his thoughts. Now, if you get this, get a hold of this message, it'll change your life forever. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it's talking about strongholds. Every single one of you, at one time or another, have entertained wrong thoughts, and you've had strongholds that came into your mind, and if you go back to visit them again, that stronghold will take over in a moment's time. And the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 10, 3, for 
though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that tries to exalt itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought. How many thoughts? Every thought. How many thoughts? So if you're a 20,000 thought thinker, how many thoughts you got to analyze? 20,000. If you've got four or five like me, you got an easy day. Now, it goes on to say, bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, look at verse number six. And being ready to punish, punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. What is that talking about? That's talking about you and I reaching the point when we understand we need to be disciplined in obedience that whatever the Word of God says, whatever the Holy Spirit says, whatever the Holy Spirit shows this to me, <clears throat> this is the will of God. I may not understand it, but the Word of God says, lean not to your own understanding. If you go with me to the book of Philippians chapter 4, God's got great and mighty exploits for all of us. God has been speaking some things to me for Victory World Outreach, for Victory Christian Center for this year. I cannot, how many of you know what I understand what I'm saying when I say this? I cannot wrap my mind around it. You know what I'm saying? I, it's just like, oh my goodness, I don't understand how this will work. But I know this, that what we're about to read, God says, don't lean to your understanding. Acknowledge me, and I'll show you how to do it. I'll, I'll take care of it. God's got a lot of money. We say that jokingly, but he really does. God's got a lot of money. He'll never call you to do something he won't pay for. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 says, God gives a... Be uh, God gives abundance for every good work. Yeah. So whatever he's called us to do, he'll do it. We've seen this time and time again in this church. Whatever we have need of, God brings it in, especially the Sudan. Thousands and thousands of dollars to save children in the Sudan over in Africa that God just continually brings the money in. It is just absolutely amazing. And this is what it says in Philippians chapter 4. We're going to close with this scripture. Be anxious for nothing. Can I see all the hands of the people that you have problems with anxiety? Okay. Do you know what the problem is? <laughs> Are you ready? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm coming back next week. <laughs> if God says, now this is just me, just oh humble me. If God said to be anxious for nothing, why would you want to contradict him and be anxious for anything? Why would you not say, you know what, I feel this anxious thought, and I'm about to entertain it, but I know I shouldn't, so I think I'll get rid of it, and I'll think about something else. It's not K sera sera, whatever will be, will be. It's like, that is not a good thought. I'm not going to think that thought. I don't know how to make the mortgage payment. 
So I think I'll think about something else. I think I'll think about the blessings of God. I think I'll think about all the other things. I think I'll think about the fact that, God, I've got some financial challenges over here. I know you're going to take care of it. So I'm going to think about something else. I'm going to think about how good you are. I'm going to think about the joy of the Lord as my strength. I'm going to think about the health that you've given me. I'm going to think about the wife that you've given me. I'm going to think about my kids. No, nope, I can't think about the kids. They're running wild. I'll think about somebody <laughs> else. You know, in other words, you're, you're like this radar. Whoop. I'll think about that. Oh, no, I can't think about that one right now. Okay. And you get over here, and you actually are controlling what you think. God left you in charge of your mind. Did you know that? Turn to your neighbor saying, now I really know the problem. <laughs> for be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart, will guard your mind through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then it goes on to say, finally, brethren, this is for you and me. Whatever thing, this is what we're supposed to meditate. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, Whatever things are just and lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there's any, uh, and if there's any virtue, that's the root word for dynamite, if there's anything that is absolutely explosively good, then think on that, and if it's praiseworthy, then meditate on all of this. And then when you do, the God of peace will be with you all of the time. So we should have peace all the time. And then Paul goes on to say that be content no matter what state you find yourself in. Be content. If you look in the checkbook, you got a lot of money, be content. Look in the checkbook, it's overdrawn, be content. There's nothing you can do about it unless God shows you what to do. And then he goes on to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So what can we do for 2016? We can do anything God tells us to do. Why? Because God has gone ahead and he's prepared the way. We're going to increase the orphans in the Sudan. We're going to increase things going on over there with Purdue University being involved. I believe this could be the year God gives us our building. I believe this is the year Mr. Sachs has the epiphany in the middle of the night and says, God has need of my building, and I'm going to give that to Victory Christian Center. I believe that could be the will of God. I don't know that for a fact, but if God wants me to weigh in on it, I'll say, God, sound like a great idea to me, and I'll come into agreement with it. God has the same thing in store for each and every one of you. And if you will understand that the law of attraction, the law of reciprocity, the law of sowing and reaping, Galatians 5, 7, what you sow, you will reap. You sow love, you reap love. You show money, you sow money, you reap money. You sow your time, you reap the time. You sow compassion, you get compassion. You sow anger, you're going to bring angry people around you. You're going to experience them. Whatever you sow, you will reap. It is a spiritual principle that will never in from now until the rapture of the church. The good news is as children of God he's going to shake the nations because he wants their attention and he wants to draw them into the kingdom. But we know that some will come and some won't. But his children who are obedient to serve him, positioned where he wants them to be, expecting miracles, expecting signs, wonders, we are going to be blessed coming and blessed going. Let's stand to our feet. God has a great plan for